Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to share topics and guests that will empower you to be able to grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I'm so pleased to welcome my guest, Wendy Nash. Let me tell you a little bit about Wendy. Wendy has a four-year somatic psychotherapy diploma. Her Bachelor of Psychology Honors thesis studied the effects of loving kindness meditation on a pro-social behavior, and she's been practicing loving kindness and other meditations for almost 20 years. These inform her work with clients who are interested in learning how to integrate various meditation practices in daily life. These qualifications and experiences have profoundly positive, have been profoundly positive on her well-being and relationships and turned around the negatives of difficult early life experiences. Some of the things that she has done in her life include 20 years of meditation practices in different traditions and countries, mostly focusing on loving kindness, but also insight because kindness has shown to be the key to mindfulness efficacy. I knew this word was going to blow me off. <laughs> Efficacy. And Efficacy. Yeah. Yes, there you go. I knew, there was a, <laughs> I knew it. And that, and it's that that leads to better relationships and well-being. Personal psychotherapy to understand herself and others more clearly. Strong engagement with understanding. Uh, what narcissism is, when it causes problems, when it's useful, and when we can integrate the unhelpful bits and why we all have an ego. Even the fully enlightened people have an ego. My theme for today with Wendy is going to be eight questions to open and close conversations. And for all my friends out there who are terrified of public speaking and shy away from any conversation, this should be great. Please join me in welcoming Wendy Nash. Welcome, Thank Wendy. Thank you, Vicky. What a lovely introduction. It's, it's very exciting to, um, yeah, it's just so lovely to, to do that. And just, I, I always like to open um, conversations, these conversations with two things. And the first up is to say thank you very much for, of course, having me on your show. 
But also there's a team that happens here. So on your side, there's quite a lot of prep you've thought through. You, you've, you and your team have come together with a number of different, really reflected deeply about how this is going to work for you, for me, and for your community. And that doesn't come you know, like you're right, we arrive here in this moment and it all is going straight, let's go straight ahead. There's a whole lot of time and preparation that comes as mm. part of that. And each of us come with all that history, all that consideration. And also that each person in the community, if they provide feedback or even if they don't, mm. just listening to it is a form of contribution because whatever is picked up along the way is shared further afield, even if it's a very subtle form of um, change. So I just want to say thank you very much for the warm welcome and, and the kindness, and not only of you, but also your team and your community. I, I really like, um, I think, you know, we can think that it's just us and it, it really just <laughs> isn't. <laughs> so the other thing I like to do is I also um, like to acknowledge the land that I'm calling from. So I'm calling from Australia in Queensland. And this um, Aboriginal nation is the, the Gabi Gabi country. Oh. And um, if this is an Aboriginal tradition, I'm white, I'm not Aboriginal, but I think it's really important to recognise the contribution that our mm. elders and ancestors have, have laid for us. And Aboriginal mm. people have been working in this country for living, considering, thinking about just really integrating themselves in the community mm. for 70,000 years. Now, That's Christianity amazing. is... 2000 years. So I know. This is 35 times longer. And they didn't build roads that went really fast. They didn't big, build huge <laughs> structures. And so people thought, well, they're just kind of stupid because they don't, they're clueless. But actually, what they had is a very strong system of understanding the stars, the land, the birds, mm -hmm. and spirit. And so I just really like to include all that history that comes with me being in this place. My parents are English, but and that also has an ancestry. And it's not until we kind of recognise where we mm -hmm. have come from, that we know where we are, and that, that then really guides us to where we want to go. So we have awesome. to kind of take all of that into consideration. That's my sense anyway. So lovely. And, you know, uh, for them to be around for that long of a time, that shows that they had to be intuitive, they had to be creative, they had to be survivors. And that's everything that a leader today needs to do. Yeah, sure. just live up to the fear and, and just move through it. So you answered my first questions elegantly, which is always, what country do you come from? So thank you for that. That, that was a wonderful way for our audience to get to know you so much better. So we're going to get right into what is the biggest challenge for entrepreneurs, in your opinion? I think it's the blind spot. I <laughs> think it's, um, you know, we, we come with stuff. We yeah. just... We didn't arrive at this age in this moment <laughs> without stuff, you know. Yeah. And even kids in primary school, you know, I don't know about your your primary school years, but mine weren't so straightforward. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that I came with even at that young age. And mm -hmm. it's not like 
that that had that that process hasn't continued. It sure hasn't. And, be, and because sure of our yeah, and because of our early experiences, we and our dispositions and personalities mm. and how we are within the world and what's happened to us in the world. Um, we I we we do have blind spots, you know. Yeah. And I think one of the big things, so so that's really hard to work with. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I like meditation because it allows the body and mind to drop down <laughs> enough to kind of go, well, what am I not seeing about this? Mm-hmm. So, um, and that that question, it's very interesting. So this morning, I was actually, I used that in my own meditation. And I was like, well, you know, what is it that I don't like about, I don't know, feeling humiliated? Why do some thoughts stick more than others? Oh, yeah. I'm humiliated from that. And then um, looking at that for, further, like that's been a few weeks now, and that one it's like, oh, I feel deeply flawed. Now yeah. everybody feels deeply flawed. That's why we kind of, we mm-hmm. get caught in these trances of yeah. reactivity and we get frustrated with um when we get rejected in our mm-hmm. funding proposals and we have problems with our colleagues and co-founders and there's conflict and then we've got our partners are going yeah but you never spend any time with me and then um you've got your own like <laughs> needs for your own body to be met to avoid yeah. burnout and then you've got to be like on the go and you've got to be perfect and you've got to have it all together and you've got to be amazing and you've got to be this and you've got to be that and you ah so so sort of the blind spot really is just going you know I I'm actually wrong often and Mm -hmm. I don't like to admit that because who likes to admit that they're wrong but actually the blind spot is a is a kind of way of saying I'm wrong but I don't want to admit it and I don't want to ask um but I and I don't know who to ask and how to ask in I know there's a problem but I don't know where how who to to kind of resolve that mm-hmm. so that's what I think is the biggest issue for entrepreneurs there's so much information you know that's like you know yeah. what do they call it they call it mental whiplash there's yeah. just so much information there's information coming out all areas of life so it's not mm-hmm. for lack of information <laughs> no. lack of, it's the lack of capacity to be able to integrate and sort the wheat from the chaff and and kind of do that with kindness without feeling like we're deeply flawed and that we're a failure and having to push through when our bodies are exhausted all that sort of stuff so I'm hoping I answered your question absolutely (laughs) absolutely and it is a challenge we talk about imposter syndrome we talk about feeling overwhelmed and frustrated and, and trying to not admit that you're not perfect. And, and you know, for me, it's like you, we, I'm trying to teach people that it's okay to screw up because I learn more from my mistakes than ever if everything goes great. Because everything goes great, I don't try to think of all the different ways I can do something. And the creativity and the, and the innovativeness goes away. But when I have problems, I I look at my three-year-old grandson or my six-year-old grandson and how they will work at something to try to figure out how to do it. And that, that lack of, of been there, done that is so 
interesting to them. And that's what I try to instill now in my years, in my 60s, is to just, where can I get that freshness? And, and so this is why I do what I do. Can I, can I just speak to yes, you about speak how to, to get me. that freshness? Is that, is that okay about that thing about being wrong? So I come from a very self-righteous superior family and we knew everything and we're so much better because my parents came here from England much better than the Australians. I mean, um, you know, just this tremendous sense of self-righteousness. And I was, we only watch, you know, NPR. We don't watch, you know, like those low riffraff commercial channels. <laughs> So I came with that background and I enacted that and I was all that sort of stuff. And so, um, but, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of complicated early things and in, happened in my life, but I, 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 I thought I had it all together. <laughs> and then my ex-husband walked out and <laughs> that was a really good review point yeah. because, <laughs> because I was just, wow, well, I didn't I get that wrong? And yeah. it made me go, well, there is something I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm clearly doing it wrong. What, am, what is it that's going what wrong? Is it? Yeah. What is this? And then a couple of years ago, so that was 20 years ago, but even a couple of years ago, I thought, okay, what can I say that I'm right about? So I'm going to run a, run a little game with um, you. If you're okay with yeah, this, I'm going sure. to put in a challenge for you. So is there uh, something that is your big, really kind of deep, kind of exciting thing for me? So for me, it's active transport. I'm really interested in people getting out of their cars and being able to move and things like that. So that's, that's my big thing. For you, what's your big kind of passion, interest? You know, it might be about work, but it might be jazz music or something. What, oh, what is your big thing? So I, I think really right now my big thing is I work with the youth a lot and I love seeing the transformation of a, a person who is shy and introverted to, to just see them blossom okay, by just so having that communication. Great. So your big thing here, if I've got this correct, is that it's about the capacity to really listen well and and that allows them to kind of bloom, this person who's quite shy. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to pick that up and just go communication skills with youth. All right. So I'm just going to focus on Perfect. that. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. So of all the communication in the whole world about how to talk with youths, as a percentage level, how much would you say irrefutably that you are absolutely sure that you know is correct? So if someone came to you and said, I've got this thing going with a teenager, how do I respond to that? Like, and you could say you absolutely 100% in that circumstance, you would do this irrefutably. I would have to say 80% because I always Eight. know that there's something underneath that I did. I don't know. And that's where I have to question. Okay. All right. So you, you have a good idea about what question is. So 80%. All right. So, so many people, so often people talk about, uh, so, so for all youths all over the world, communication, mm -hmm. and somebody said to you, what is the right question to ask? You would say 80% of the time, this is the exact right question to ask, no matter what. 
for anywhere, anyone in the world, different cultures. That's a tough one. The question I would probably ask is. Not, not of, the question, but, but, but percentage wise, how oh, likely is it that you're going to think about that that question is the right question? I would have to say 50% of the time. Okay, so we've dropped down. We've dropped mm -hmm. down to fifty. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. you you really know what you're on about. Okay, so we'll go there, and then as a good hunch, so that one is like irrefutable. This is absolutely the right question to ask. So if somebody comes to you, you know exactly what is the right question. And then another time, somebody might come and go. All right, probably this would be the right kind of way to answer it. I think. And as a percentage. How much would you say a good hunch would be? Probably a good hunch would be down to that 20%. 20%. So mm -hmm. 50%, you'd be absolutely on the money. 20%, you would be... A hunch. So yeah. we're, we're talking a good hunch. So that's mm -hmm. 70%, mm -hmm. which means that 30% of the time, you are probably very likely wrong. Wrong. <laughs> And I would say that's true. I think so. Right. And so, so I've, I, do, I remember asking this to one of my clients who's a software designer. Mm -hmm. And I said, he's quite a, an arrogant man, very, very, very clever, um, has a lot of really kind of, he was, he was gifted with a lot of things that, that were advantageous to, to, in society, good looking, clever, sporty, nice guy, anyway, a bit arrogant. So um, he, um, I said, of all the information about software design around the world, how much would you know? And he sort of started off at a high number and then he went, realistically, I think it's probably two, three percent. <laughs> and then yeah. I said, okay, a good hunch be 20%. And so he, I said, okay, so 80% of the time, you're going to be wrong, actually a really good chance that you're going to be wrong so and even in that 15 percent whatever it was of the good hunch you still could well be wrong so 95 percent of the time there's a really good possibility you're wrong anyway mm -hmm. but so you're holding on to this idea of five percent two percent three percent whatever it was of being right and yet the whole identity is that i am right mm. And you'll argue to the <laughs> Exactly. But 95% of the, you know, we think we're 95% yeah. right and 5% wrong when actually it's the inverse. So this is what I found out. I'm like, once I realized that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm wrong all the time. Why don't I talk on to that one? <laughs> that said, the other day I had an interview and he, he had sent me a link and I hadn't seen it and I had and I had problems with my internet. I just moved recently. And basically I was unprofessional. I wasn't well prepared. I didn't have it my game. I wasn't on my game. And I asked for the interview to be withdrawn so he couldn't publish it because I just felt really unprofessional. Mm. I did not want to admit that I was wrong in my behavior. I did not. I <laughs> did not. And I really got this thing about... Um, Okay, imagine you're the CEO of a big corporation yeah. and you have led it into a train crash. Mm. I was wrong. 
you know, like I've been doing this 20 years. I understand how narcissism works. Mm -hmm. I understand about taking responsibility. I understand the probabilities of knowing everything. And my tiny little thing, I was like, I don't want to say I'm wrong. And I think of these CEOs and I go, no wonder politician CEOs find it so hard to say, you know what, I was wrong actually. So it really helped me kind of be more compassionate about the situation. Yeah. So Sorry to digress on No, that. no, but that just made me think of a situation I had a few years ago where uh, I had some folks that I was coaching and both parties thought they were right. And both parties were willing to fall on the sword to admit that, you know, to be right. And, and it was one of those things where they both were right and they both were wrong. And neither one could see that. And it just became such a contentious conflict and didn't need to be. And it was one of those things where you just had to watch it evolve because it's not something that you really can force people to do, right? To admit, I'm sure your self-revelation about whenever you were wrong and, and saying out loud that you were wrong. I know for me, especially as a mom, moms never want to say they're wrong. <laughs> but there's, there's a few times in my life where I've had to tell my kids I was so wrong. And actually, so what they talk about in a relationship is that it's the problem isn't if there's a rupture in the relationship. Mm. So you make a mistake, I make a mistake, and I'm like, oh, man, I was so out of line, actually. Mm. I was really wrong in the way that I did that. So, so if I kind of go, rah, and I'm a horrible person or mm. maybe I behave something and I'm quite selfish mm. and I don't realise the impact on you, whatever it is, um, then that breach in the relationship is a problem yeah. but if I come back to you and I say wow I was such an ass when I did that I am mm. so sorry what I see was my partner was this 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 was what was going on for me not to excuse it not to say justify it right. but just to say wow and I can imagine on your side how that came across was xyz abc mm. and then and then it's like yeah, because everybody knows everybody makes a mess. Yeah, yeah. But if you repair that relationship and you you change the behaviours, actually it strengthens the relationship. I was just going to say if that. If you had mm -hmm. never made that mistake in the first place. Yeah. And I think that's that's what's really important. So what are the four questions we should use to open conversations? Okay. So... Um, I, I used to be really bad at, I, I talked a lot. I, I'm a very chatty person. <laughs> and I used to think I was a good communicator because I talk a lot. And then I went, wow, I'm really wrong about that. I actually think introverts are much better communicators because they're such fantastic listeners and they're used to listening. Mm -hmm. So I think actually uh, we kind of have misunderstood what communication is. We think it's about speaking, but actually it's about <laughs> listening. And so the four questions kind of came about because I was making a mess of it and I couldn't figure out where I was going wrong. And so I had to kind of piece together a whole lot of 
studies and an evaluation and look at myself and, and listen and take note of what of people who were like, oh, that was a really good question. And what I realized is that it's, it's, it's kind of like this. Somebody comes to you with a problem and they say, um, or somebody, somebody comes to you with their day and they say, oh, I had a great day or I've got this problem. In either of those things, often this is good, particularly if somebody comes to you with a problem where mm -hmm. uh, just because it's like, wow, I'm in the middle of something else and I just need a bit of a breather, so I'm going to ask this absolute stock standard question. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so tell me more about what was going on for you. Tell me more about the problem. And that just gives a bit of a breather so you can kind of go, okay, you, you're over there, that's fine, and let me just come to the party at the same time. And it gives an opportunity for the other person to feel heard. So you've yeah. invited a bit, bit of a convo, but, but it's not intrusive, it's not solution providing, and it's forming that bridge to come together. Um, so tell me more about that. Okay. Tell me more about that problem you're having. Tell me, tell me more about what was so fantastic about the day. And that just gives a, 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 the body a chance to recalibrate. Mm -hmm. The next one is once you've, once you've said, once this is particularly good for a problem, the next one is, ah, what I hear you care about is um, uh, trying to come to a really good solution that's not going to cost, you know, buckets of money. Mm -hmm. So what I hear you care about. Right. And that says, I'm just going to tell you what I have heard. And it sounds like it's a statement, but it's actually a question. Mm -hmm. And it can't be, I think you're saying. So I tried this with a client to try and get him to say it. And he's like, I think what you're saying is this. I think what you think is that. No, 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 that's not it. What I hear you care about right. is this. Mm -hmm. And the next one is my sense of what, you know, what's your sense of the thing to go ahead with here? What's your sense of what is the next step? Mm. And then, um, you know, uh, the final, the four question is, and how do you feel about today's conversation? How do you feel oh. about our chat? And that yes, just so the last two are kind of reflective, right? You're, you're kind of forcing them to think a little bit more about what's been said. And I actually, with clients, I get, I always ask that sort of as I get up to the last 10 minutes, I go, and how do you feel about today's conversation? Or, you know, how do you feel about what we've, what we've been discussing? And it just, it's like, yeah, I feel good. Or, and it leaves it on a positive note. Mm -hmm. Or sometime last week, uh, one client, she said, if you'd asked me when, you know, 10 minutes ago, I would have said this, but now actually I feel much more at ease because oh. sometimes you need to just not like, it's a good way to kind of make sure everything is tied off in the, in mm. the session. Very good. But you can do this with family, friends, kids, whatever. And I think for the audience out there that are, are trying to have those conversations with potential clients and being able to actively listen to what is answered in those four questions is also important. Yeah. So what about the four questions to close that conversation? Yeah. So, so we think that asking 
So somebody comes to you and says, I've got this big problem. And you go, why do you think that, where do, why do you think that's a problem? Mm-hmm. Why, why? But if I ask you a question, why, why did you do that program? It's like, wow, I feel really accused or I feel really blamed or so why is actually a really bad one. We think it's an opener, but you know, if I go, wow, what, why did it go like that? Well, I don't know. The stars aligned, the galaxies interconnected, (laughs) you know, there were 25 people in the queue. I don't know. Whatever (laughs) happened, the technology failed. Who knows? Like it's such an endless question, you know, it's it's not a helpful one. So not, and why haven't you done your homework? (laughs) It's a really bad one. So anything that starts with why is really a bad one. So that's one, like cross that one off your list of things to do. Um, and, uh, I did, I forgot to do, I forgot to say what is also good to ask is how and when and what the questions that start with how, when, mm-hmm. and what is good. So I've gone over my four. Sorry about that. No worries. And, <laughs> I can't count. Um, and other ones that are no good is, do you think, would you mm-hmm. say, ah, cause that says, do you think that it was a good program, Vicky? Well, that's actually coming back to my agenda, not yours. So right. that's not asking for more information. That's saying, I want you to, to answer my que- the question in a way that I want you to answer the question. Mm-hmm. Would you say, would you say that this is the political situation in America today? That's fully loaded. You know? <laughs> it sounds like it's an open question, but it's completely loaded. But yeah. if you were to say, you know, what are your thoughts about how things are going in the political situation in America? That's a completely different question to, would you say that the political situation in America yeah. is dire? Or um, do you think that Joe Biden should be president? You know, it's a completely different question. Yeah, it's kind so of loaded. It's very loaded. It mm. sounds open and curious, but it's completely loaded. And I, I realised that uh, the reason why those came really strong is because I had a relative who kept asking me, you know, they'd, she'd start with an open question, you know, how's things going for you? And then she'd say, you know, do you think, or would that, would you say, which was all about actually her, it's called switching language. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know the difference between switching language and supporting language. Yeah. So this is switching language where you talk about your thing and then I turn it around and I start talking about me. <laughs> which is all that I wanted to do anyway. <laughs> so so that's so those those questions and the last one is so do basically is is a bad question but also if it starts with is or are of Mm. course they're closed questions they will shut down the the thing and I I have a client and we do this every week and it's really hard he's an older gentleman and he was a journalist in as a young man and he Mm. has been doing this for a long time and I just have to train. It's it's a it's a battle for him. Mm. But he knows when he does it, it's good. That it's it's a big training ground. So don't think you'll get it happening instantly. Yeah, it's really just to change something you've done for a long time. Exactly. How how can I manage burnouts with meditation? Yeah. So people, it's interesting. So people have a um, a. Th- Thing with meditation that it's good to you know like silence it silently and that's you know and that's great and that definitely helps it sort of calms the body and mind 
Mm-hmm. And it means that um, we can really start to look around at a more broad, once we're in a less aroused state of mind, we can really start to look at um, the larger picture mm. and think, ah, that's so for me personally, I was, I hate cleaning. And I always hated cleaning. And I've had cleaning ladies even when I was a university student and in a one-bedroom unit and one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> like how they bad do. is that? That's yeah, like, you really that, do. That is anything. really bad. That is really bad. <laughs> but I, I realised a couple of years ago what I don't like is the physical pain of like going underneath and trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. And also I found that a lot of the products were really rubbish. So I'd sweep. And then it was like, well, why did I bother doing that? Because there's just as much dust at the end and there are as at the beginning. And so what I realized is that, um, and, and I was meditating, it's like, well, what is it I don't like? And it's like, I actually don't think the implements that I use are good. And as it happens, a, a neighbor said, ah, oh, I use these XYZ products. I'm not going to give the brand name. It's not appropriate. But I was like, ah, oh, that is so good. And now I, I have them. I, they cost a fortune <laughs> and I use them and I love cleaning. But it wasn't until I figured out exactly what it was that was pissing me off that I could change that. Yeah. And it was, that happened in meditation. It was that observation mm-hmm. that, that arises. Now, I also teach med- meditation to um, a group of women at the gym and they have little people to take care of during the day. Oh. And one of them has oppos- one of them has a child, 12-year-old boy with oppositional defiance disorder. And mm. he also has ADHD. Mm. So she is a single mum. Oh wow. Has- yeah. And it, it's like no one else will take care of this child because mm-hmm. it's so difficult. In the gym, I'm not going to teach meditation in that sort of environment, sit down and be silent, like the mind is going to be too wild. So what I do is I find ways to raise questions about how we see in the gym where there's little people around crying, mm-hmm. clambering all over the equipment. So I have to work right here with what people are at. And it and I do it, you know, so it's meditation isn't necessarily sitting still so a lot of people get frightened off by that um it's really about being aware of what's going on in the mind so you can do things like cleaning so this was one of the ones that I had to learn when I was cleaning it's called leave no trace because I was like I hate cleaning and I can do it I can clean one I, I can't ever clean all my windows in once but I can do one a week and I'd be going, okay, I'll clean. <laughs> I, have to, I have to figure, I've got strategies. So. <laughs> and, um, and this is a meditation practice, which I love. And it's great for people who have ADHD and can't sit still or have a really wild mind. When you're sitting, when you've brushed your teeth in the evening and you notice there's like the remnants of the toothpaste on the, in the basin, Instead of leaving that for some delightful person to look at and go, oh, gosh, I'm so excited for you. You have brushed your teeth. That's very good. I can see the evidence of that. You just get a cloth and you wipe it down as if, as if that has an activity hasn't happened. So you're leaving no trace of that activity ever taking place. That's a very nice meditation. And, and what it does is it triggers things like, oh, I'll do it later. 
or why am I doing that? That's somebody else's job. I mean, so for instance, if you were doing the dishes, for instance, well, they should have done the dishes. Or if somebody, the person before you hasn't brushed their, you know, hasn't wiped down after they've brushed their teeth, then it's like, well, I'll do it later. That's not fair. So, you know, I'll do it later. And then you can kind of really engage with mm. what is going on in the mind. Right. Um, so that helps to, to deal with the burnout, the small things. That particular cleaning one is really good because then you don't have to do it all on the weekend. So. I, I think that for me always cleaning and I don't hate it, but it's not my most favorite thing, but I always found it was a great time for me to work on problems and, and solve things and, and be reflective because my mind is, is focused on something activity that then I can think about things more. And um, so I, I do solve a lot of problems that way. <laughs> and there's a really great way. So when you first start cleaning, you get out the mop and the whatever it is, mm -hmm. the broom or whatever, and you just bring to mind the current problem you've got, website design, getting clients, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you just go, what am I not seeing about this? Yeah. And then go about your daily business. And you can do this before a run. That's another one. Mm -hmm. So. Absolutely. So how often and how long should I try to meditate? So apart those active meditations, obviously you just do them on the go. Mm -hmm. But um, I think for beginners, so what I, the way that I work with clients is that I get them to do one minute a day at the same time. So get into bed, you turn your phone on to airplane mode, and then you set a timer for one minute, one minute. And you do that every day for seven days. The following week, you do two minutes. The following week, three minutes. And you go at what feels right. So you may not be able to go to three minutes after three weeks. Mm. What's really important is to register what's going on in the mind. So it'll be wild. In the beginning, it's wild. That's just normal. Mm. Because you've got this huge backlog that you have stuff you've never looked at. And it takes mm -hmm. a while to figure out how to navigate that. I have a client who's been doing four minutes for about three months. So it's not, it's not about going at what everybody else says you should do. It's about really paying attention to your own mind. Um, and then once you get to the longer periods, you can start to be more creative and understand more. So that wild mind, actually, what I noticed is that there's a running thought that sits underneath that. There's a running emotion that sits underneath that. And so I started asking, I've never heard anybody else do this, but I started asking, what is the emotion common to all these thoughts? Hmm. And once I did that, I was like, oh, I'm actually really pissed off hmm. or I'm, I feel humiliated or I feel resentful or I feel like this morning, oh, I feel deeply flawed actually. And, and then I'm like, and then the next part of the process, once you've figured out what the emotion is, is to go, I feel humiliated. Yes, it's true. I feel humiliated. Whatever the emotion is, I feel sad. Yes, it's true. I feel sad. You can also do it when you're excited. Mm -hmm. I feel excited. Yeah. Yes, it's true. I feel excited. And often excited is quite an anxious space. And so people instantly feel like, ah, oh, the body's relaxed. And then the mind can become more creative. Yeah. So that's that's the way that I work. But 
um, I've seen people go nuts on meditation retreats, those hardcore meditation, like literally the sister had to come and collect them from the psych ward. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've seen people lose it. So it's really, really important. And we don't talk about enough about the negative stuff, negative side effects. There is somebody called Willoughby Bittner. She, she does research into this, that people do go nuts on retreats. Their brains break because break they're driving themselves and not mm. paying attention to what the mind is really oh. asking for. So it's wow. really important to go at the pace that your, your body and your mind can go with. Don't push it. It will absolutely keep you in good stead. This is a long game, mm. not a short one. Yeah. So I know when I got my watch, it has it, uh, apps at, uh, attached to it. And one of them is for meditation and reflectiveness and things. And they're just like one or two minutes that you do in the beginning of the day, just as you're getting up to kind of quiet yourself. And um, I love it. it. It's great. What apps do you recommend or do you recommend it? What app is that on your phone? It's my Fitbit. And, and, it's, and it just has one of the things for relaxation and reflectiveness. And so uh, the one I listen to is just um, a gentleman that's speaking and the, the picture that comes, um, I have it that goes to my phone. But the picture that comes up is just these this field of daisies. And this guy is just speaking in a quiet voice about how the day is going to go. And it just makes you feel great. <laughs> I just love it. So I recommend that app. Whatever she said, that's the one to go for for you. Like mm. other people will have Fitbits and, and have that app. So definitely that's one. Yeah, it's um, and it's, it's good because it's small bites. So that's really good. Yeah. Another one that um, came recommended by somebody who'd been using it for years. So I haven't personally used these. I'm, I'm sort of too far along in my own practice to be able to, what I need is different and yeah. everybody is different. So always follow your own um, need and yearning. It's really, really important about that. And this, he said there's one called Buddhify. Mm. And he finds that really good because I, I looked it up and um, you just have to do a monthly subscription. It's a very reasonable price, which I really like. And what I liked about that one was that if you're, if you have insomnia, it's a meditation tailored mm. to that. If you're anxious, it's tailored to that. It's got a very simple interface. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I looked at the history and, and the people and I just went, I'm, you know, when you're, you, you know what you're talking about and you can see when someone else is speaking the correct language, doesn't yeah. feel like shmami and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they're, they're, they're on the money. So he's yeah. a, um, a Sri Lankan gentleman and Sri Lankans are generally Buddhist. Mm -hmm. The Sinhalese mm -hmm. people are Buddhist. So he knows his stuff and I yeah. can see that. So that's one. Another one is Headspace. That's the one that the research out of the University of yeah. Oxford uses. It's a little bit expensive. But many corporations and organizations uh, use that one. A friend of mine got that through his workplace and he, he found it an absolute godsend mm. because his, his organization completely shafted him and, and his team and undermined his management completely. Oh, wow. 
and he was absolutely worn out. He ended up leaving a year or two later after this great reshuffle and reorganization, mm -hmm. which the organization was a very wealthy organization, but they didn't want to pay super, uh, pension schemes. And it was all oh. to do with, it was really unethical of the organization. So, um, but he did that through all that period. And he said it absolutely kept him sane. Mm. Um, and he just got to the end of the, the thing. And then he, I, he said, now what do I do? I said, go back to the beginning and do it again. And so he just <laughs> did the same, same series for, for, for about two or three years. And he said, okay, I'm ready to move on now. Uh, but it, just because you get to the end of the series doesn't mean to say that you're in the same place as you were in the beginning. So right. you can stay in that. Another one, which is more for Buddhists um, and people who are deeply reflective and curious about the spiritual and enlightenment and awakening and that sort of thing, is called Waking Up. Waking up. And mm -hmm. that's Sam Harris. And he has very, very good uh, speakers. So mm -hmm. he'll, he'll have conversations with people like Jack Cornfield. Um, um, yeah, he has really, really solid people. I, I know a lot of the people he has on the program and I'm just like, yeah, they're really, they're really top <laughs> people. So that's another one. And my personal practice book that I use is actually Awakening Through Love by John McCransky. That's the, uh -huh. the text that I use. And that was personally the most rewarding for me. I felt deeply unloved and unlovable and unlikable. I felt I lived in a really mm. hostile world. I felt very frightened and bitter about a lot of things. I'd done a lot of work, but I just felt so unloved. And mm. I couldn't shift it, even though I'd had lots of therapy, even though I'd been meditating a long time. And what this meditation, the first chapter that did is um, it asks you to look back into your early life for instances where someone showed you care and kindness and compassion. Mm. So the rest of the relationship might have been cactus. But in that one moment, that person treated care so I have a little bit of a difficult relationship with my brother and I thought ah oh, actually we used to ride around everywhere we were really cool together and we used to have lots of fun so it made me really reevaluate things and then I was like actually I wasn't unloved I just felt unloved um, so that was really good and that that also I sort of converted that into a practice where every day I go back to this time yesterday and I go, well, what was I doing yesterday? I was at the gym. This time yesterday, I was at the gym and I was with these women and I was doing the meditation with them. And they came with such sincerity, wanting to change who they were. That's, an, that's a real gift when yeah. someone offers you that. And then I, my partner last night came home with chocolate cake. Ah, like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then... You know, all these things. So there's all these like small things. He also went grocery shopping because we were low on things. And it's like he got the things that I like. Oh, nice. That's a very small gesture. Yeah. It's everyday common stuff. And I thought, oh, he really loves me. He really cares about me. Mm -hmm. And I, I have a, a tendency to look for the bad in everything and everyone. And these small little things help me really find more kindness in the world than I am naturally disposed or trained to think. So I like that one because it offsets so much of the negativity. It's not to say that the negativity isn't there. 
that's absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm not saying be a Pollyanna. I'm saying balance the books. Yes, absolutely. Do you find that journaling is somewhat of a, a way to kind of meditate? Because whenever I write my journal, I, I'm putting my thoughts, but it's the quiet time. It's really um, being reflective. What are your thoughts on that? If it works for you, great. It's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm supposed to journal. <laughs> you know I'm supposed to do it as part of my training and I just kind of go oh but by the time I've written it it sort of <laughs> feels also redundant and I'm kind of I'm quite an active person and mm -hmm. I, I kind of process things as I go and what seemed like wow that was amazing then I just go I look back and I go gee that's like self-congratulating <laughs> rubbish you know I thought I was so God's gift to the universe and I just like follow that you know like get over yourself Oh, that's too good. All right. So what is the simplest way to improve uh, your mind aside from meditation? Drink two liters of water a day. Uh, I don't have my... Two liters. So what I do, I, is this a video and an audio call? It is. It is. Go it's ahead. Show us. Okay. All right. So I've got, I'm going to tell you my, my cheat because I'm a great believer in cheating. I can only do it like small bits at a time because otherwise I just go, no, I'm not going to do it. I have a big temper tantrum. So what I do is I get um, like, I've got two mugs here. So this is the uh -huh. audio version. They're 250 yeah. mils. Raise it up and, here. Can you raise it? There you go. <laughs> okay. 250 mils each of these. So I put four of these um, so I think in American, you do quartz, which is yes. about a liter. Is that yes, right? Yes. So, yeah. So um, if you get four mugs like this every uh, in the morning when you're on your desk and then uh, repeat it in the afternoon. So as you go through the day, you put it right in front of you. So you've got it right here. You drink it and then you've done one liter before lunch and then you've done one, the second liter after lunch. That's my cheat. Or if you're mm. like the mums at the gym, uh, I just said, put water in every room, just everywhere you go, make sure you've got water. <laughs> so that when you're in there, you're, you've got, you've got something to drink. So, so I, I have an anti-aging and wellness business too. And one uh, of the things we have is a water bottle that holds um, a half a gallon or whatever. So, but on the bottle, it says 9am and like four. And, and so as you drink and it goes, it gives you beside the time it gives you like way to go or you're almost there and it's just a reminder to do and it's when you finish it once then you know to fill it up so you can do the afternoon but I found that so effective more so than my other containers that I, I it's there mm. uh, did I drink it I don't know so yeah yeah so. and you know like we can think that these things are big and highfalutin and stuff like that but you know, the research is unequivocal. You would know that. It's unequivocal about that, definitely. And looking for the good stuff in life, like not mm -hmm. being, you know, like, so so really receiving gracefully the good that comes your way. So I'll, mm -hmm. I'll tell you a story. Have I got time to tell you about a yes, story? Yes, I'm Sorry about this. No, go ahead. So at the gym, uh, one of the women, uh, you know, they come from, I'm in, in quite a poor area now where I live. My partner works um, at the council nearby so um, we just made sure it was walking distance for him so we're in a poor area and um, and I work with so the women in the gym are 
their background is um, often quite domestic violence, mm. uh, quite abusive. They come with this stuff. A lot of yeah. the children in this area have disabilities. There's a lot of stuff. So I was at the gym and I the first meditation I did was look for all the good in your day. Mm. And so she she said, she came up to me uh, yesterday and she said, I did this. Uh, my husband came home from work and uh, he was, he'd had a really bad day and he was mm. grumbling and griping and having a bad time. And so I just went, I'm going to take a, Wendy, a leaf out of Wendy's book. And she got a piece of his favorite cake, a piece of his favorite cake, cup of tea, his absolute favorite cup of tea. She sat down with him, listened to what he had to say. And then um, he, he had his gripe and then she said, okay, and now I want you to notice that your wife, who absolutely adores you, brought you your favourite cake, your favourite drink, and you live in this beautiful house. Your children are healthy and well. They're kind, lovely people who are very doing well in school and all the rest. And I just want you to notice the good that is here. Yeah, understanding so, gratitude. So my, pra my practice, I just said, oh, it's a meditation practice. She used it as an intervention. She mm. said within 30 seconds, his whole mood changed. Yeah. So it's very interesting. So I think allowing the good in, not just not being a positive thinker, but allowing the good in is absolutely. Yeah. Really I think important. those moments every day of gratitude, of understanding what you're thankful for i so. think and but i i also think sometimes that can be a bit more doing i'm supposed to be grateful you know and sometimes it's really not that i want it sometimes i i don't <laughs> want to be grateful for the crummy things that have happened in my life i want to punch this person on my nose you know but, <laughs> <laughs> so i just it's like i you know it's like that person is really pissing me off you know? <laughs> and owning that and then oh, also going and then also going, yeah, and the sun is shining. It's a really lovely place. And my neighbor, my other neighbors are lovely. So whatever <laughs> it is. So it's not to... It's I the think, balance. Yeah, I, I wondered whether the gratefulness movement thing had, had sort of turned positive thinking. It was like the new incarnation of positive thinking. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes feel it can be a bit bypassing, you know, spiritual bypassing, where I don't really feel actually resentful and pissed off and angry and sad <laughs> and hurt. I'm, I'm just like, I'm really grateful for this difficult experience, you know, like I'm not... I'm, I'm like being real, you know, be real with what's here. No emotion's going to kill you. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it is time for rapid fire. And okay. that is where I will give you five phrases. And whatever comes to your mind, just give me what um, you think about this phrase. Okay. The first is life as a top level leader. What comes to mind when I say that? Life as a top level leader. So I don't think I understand the phrase. So if I was a top level leader, am I always going to have the perfect life or is my life going to be in that, that will I have that balance? What would you say? Is a top level kind of leader? 
it sort of depends on you. Like, yeah. all right, so I worked with a woman who was who was really angry and I had just split up with my partner and I was angry and I was going, oh, man. And I was listening to a, an audio with Pema Chodron and, uh, and she said, if you want to be a cranky old person, just, like, practice it really well. So I'm like, if you want to have, if you, I, I was going, I was looking at this woman going, I'm going to end up like her. Okay, this is a really big motivation. I'm not going to do that. So if you if you want to be, if you want to have a, a, a life where, where you are well-regarded, well-liked, and you like yourself, mm. then you have to practice that now. Yeah. So, you know, who, who's going to live in a, a cocoon? Like, yeah. you know, you can be anyone. And you know, Jeff Bezos, he's got all these buckets of money. But yet he's like, well, I, there was this fantastic thing I saw last year when Donald Trump was in power. And there's this Chinese guy and he's doing statues of Donald Trump, all Zen and calm in a Buddhist, in a monk outfit. And he said he found Donald Trump so interesting because here was this man who was powerful, rich, beautiful wife, beautiful children. He has everything and he's so unhappy. It was really interesting. So it's up to you. Right, right. Very good. The next is, and, and this kind of goes along with what we talked about with the youth earlier, but what advice would you give teenagers, you know, who have, I think, especially in this time of social using phone and things like that, uh, what advice do you give to teenagers about having communication and con con how to be conversationalists? Yeah, I, I did read this morning on Greater Good that actually teenagers have the least amount of self-compassion of everybody. So definitely when they're lashing out, that's something to work with, mm. um, that there's not so much self-compassion there. Um, I think with... I think that maybe it's not for them to do, but what we can do is listen better. Like you did it really well, listen better. And communication skills, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I have any great answer on that. I know as a teenager, I just wanted somebody to understand me, mm -hmm. to actually not even necessarily get it right. I just wanted to, I just wanted somebody to try. Yeah. And that's what I, I think is, is, is the thing about teenagers is, and I think reach out, definitely reach out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the things that was such a draw for me is after I did my first sessions with the, the youth, as, and these kids were middle school. So, you know, that that awkward age of I'm not yet a teenager, really, I'm not a kid a little kid anymore and all the hormonal things that are going on and and so the the coaching that I do for them they have to give a speech for four minutes and for some of them it was four minutes where someone listened to them wholly didn't interrupt them and listened enough to give them feedback on what they did well and areas that they could improve. And you could just see their whole demeanor change. You could see the light come back into them. And so for me, I, I think that's the, you know, where the active listening pays off the most because 
you know, you can impact them for the rest of their lives. Like I have kids now that are in college and, and getting jobs that remember those moments. So, so the, I listened to the TED talk by the mother of the Columbine shooter, and she mm. says, I just wish I had listened instead of telling him clean up his room. Yeah. And, and what you're saying is just that. Mm-hmm. So for the teen, you know, what do I want to say to teenagers? You know, kind of, it seems big now, but one day this horrible place called school yeah. will, you won't be here. It will be different when you're an adult. Actually, I had somebody and I said, it's not, it's just really bad when you're a kid, you don't have the agency to change a situation, mm-hmm. but it doesn't last forever. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if this is a redundant question, but what are you passionate about? What is your passion right now? Okay, my question at the moment. So my big thing at the moment is active travel. So I'm really interested in travel. Yeah. So my, you know, one of the things about meditation is you start to look at a much broader picture. You go, well, there's me, but then there's that person and that person and that person and that person. And how is this all coming together? So just a couple of weeks ago, I read a really amazing book about, can I, I've got a copy on my desk. Yeah, sure. Show it. Show it. Mm -hmm. So I read this book and it's called movement. Can you see that? I I do. That's yes. Can see it. Great. And who is it by? Her name is Talia Vicard. So she's from Amsterdam. She's a journalist. This is a translation from a Dutch book. It's a very, very good translation. And it talks about the public space, which is a road, which Mm -hmm. has become privatized by the car, by car use and drivers. And it starts to question, we say they got hit by a car. Well, actually, they didn't get hit by a car. A driver hit them with the car. It's a bit like the gun conversation you have in the US, the gun killed them, not the person pulling the trigger. Mm. It's that same conversation. Yeah. So I, I've, I'm sort of teaming up with a woman who has a, dis, uh, a child with, in a wheelchair and I want to really get the local council and community engaged with changing the way that we understand roads and make them back to being public spaces where oh. they have historically always been. So that's my current passion. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. So you talked a little bit about your family and you touched on this. What, if you look back, what is your best family memory? One that just touches your heart. I'll tell you, actually, I moved into state recently and I was going through some old photos. So just to give a heads up about the complicated nature of that question. (laughs) My sister died when I was a toddler. She was a younger sister. My father died when I was 13. Three of my grandparents died within that. And I was bullied for five years. And there's a bit more besides. Oh, my goodness. So when you went through sort of school years, I'm going, oh, my God, mine was just so awful. And I failed school eight times. So so to kind of go back and go, oh, what would I say about my family? Because it's pretty fragmented now and it's not a happy place. I didn't, I I don't have good, um, it's not a place where I think fondly of, to be honest. There's a reason I've done 20 years of loving kindness meditation. (laughs) There's stuff, you know? And... (laughs) 
You got a baggage. I got, I got, I got twenty five bags. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know what is it they say about Linford Christie? I, I, I have. You know, I'm a well balanced person. I've got chips on both shoulders. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was going through all my stuff, moving into state, and I found this photo of me just before I went to Sweden as a teenager to to live there for a year on student exchange, and my mother had hand knitted. Um, uh, one of those is at Fair Isle where you've got the pattern around the shoulders and mm-hmm. the thing, and she had hand knitted that for months. Now I have a very complicated relationship with my mother. It was about two years after my father died, and he died in really difficult circumstances. So all I will say about that is, if you just just don't suddenly exit life in from your family, don't do that. That's really bad. So that's all I'll say about that. But she had knitted me this jumper and it was really, I was like, oh, she did love me. Mm-hmm. Like there's the proof. She doesn't do many things. She's not done many things for me. But that's one. And I'm like, gosh, that was a real act of love. Yeah. So yeah. that one. There you yeah. are. Awesome. So what is your next path on this journey that you're taking? I think you kind of goes with your passion, maybe, but what, what's your next path? Ah, look, I've just moved here from um, other places. I've I've just joined Toastmasters, so I'm going to do sort of public speaking. So I think it's sort of that, and I've got a renewable energy group that I'm going to start. I've never been like that. I'm actually really happy. It's taken me, you know, where you can, I've told you where I came from. It was mm-hmm. very painful. I was very bitter. I was very angry. And I've turned all this love and I have such love that I want to kind of bring into the world now. And uh, so I've got groups and this and connecting with the local community and just being with people that I've never met before and and learning. And that's, that's my thing. Well, I am a 25 year Toastmaster. So I will tell you, they are a wonderful family to have. It's just, you'll love it. You will love it. Thank you. Thank you. I just so joined today. There you are. Oh, awesome. Well, if you have any <laughs> questions or anything, I am here to help you. <laughs> Thank you. I'll bear that in mind. Yes. Time now for me to give a warning to those that are just listening that I'm going to share my screen and give contact information for Wendy. So we have a very clever, if I must say so myself, website that you can go to. It is kindly cutthecrap.com. That's K-I-N-D-L-Y-C-U-T-T-H-E-C-R-A-P.com. So kindlycutthecrap.com. I love that website. Her LinkedIn is Wendy Nash, and she has an opportunity for you to get to know her a little bit better and explore Um, whether or not she might be able to help you. So why don't you share a little bit about your gift? So, uh, you know, these these interviews are are interesting and and it's really great. But, you know, I'm always always really delighted to hear about um, how people are going with meditation. And sometimes, you know, we we start, we have really good intention to get going and we just need a one-touch call 
So just feel free to contact me and I'm happy to share. I'm in Australia, so there's a bit of a time zone thing. Sometimes that's quite advantageous. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, just, just feel free to ask me a question and I'm more than happy to answer. I love hearing about how people are going with their meditation and I, I think it's such a great thing. It's helped me so much. I want other people to feel that they're also really well supported yeah. in that in that um, thing. And I'm happy to give any hints or tips. No problem. Uh, excellent. So again, you can go to her website and then... Um, add contact so on her website just look for the contact such area of her website and you can be able to set up that call again her website is kindlycutthecrap.com and check it out it's brand new i know it's clean it's crisp i love it all right so it is now for us to close out this wonderful interview that we had with wendy nash she shared her story. She shared lots of insight, lots of guidance, tips. And if you want to know more, please do reach out to her. Check out that clean, crisp website that I talked about. And as always, thank you for listening in, tuning in. And until next time, remember that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.